Hi everyone, this is Matt, the producer of the Investor Mindset Podcast, and we're back again this week with another episode in the Best Of series. We're taking a look back at the interview we did with Brian Burke. We take a deep dive into how to become a super successful hands-off investor, and Brian provides some fantastic free advice on how to set yourself up for success avoid those common passive pitfalls, and how to work with amazing partners that are going to get you the returns you truly deserve. So let's jump into it. This is the Investor Mindset Podcast, and I'm Stephen Pesavento. For as long as I can remember, I've been obsessed with understanding how we can think better, how we can be better, and how we can do better. And each episode, we explore lessons on motivation and mindset from the most successful real estate investors and entrepreneurs in the nation. Today's episode is sponsored by Von Finch Capital. If you're interested in investing alongside me in the same type of real estate opportunities that I personally invest in, then head over to Von Finch Capital and join their private investor network. You can do so at vonfinch.com invest. Join me on that next deal. and I look forward to seeing you on the inside. How would somebody go about understanding and and deciding if the business plan is reasonable? It's all about assumptions. You know, they say in, in computers, they used to say garbage in, garbage out, right? And this is the same kind of thing here is that when, when somebody projects uh, some investment performance from any passive investment, they're going to say, we expect it's going to earn this uh, internal rate of return or that cash on cash return or this equity multiple whatever it is, they're, they're, they're basically telling you the performance that they expect you to, that they want you to expect to see from the investment. The difficulty of all this is though, is that any uh, performance uh, projection is simply an exercise of financial engineering. And behind the scenes, there's a, a real estate sponsor that wants to get a deal done, who's pulling on a variety of different levers until they figure out how do we get to the return I'm gonna to need to promise. In other words, if I dial up the rent growth a little bit or dial down the exit cap rate or dial up the occupancy uh, rate or uh, dial down the loan interest rate a little bit, then I can get where I need to get. So there's all kinds of manipulation that can take place behind the scenes. So what's really important is that you look at all the assumptions that are being made in the underwriting. What vacancy rate are they assuming? What rent growth are they assuming? What interest rate on the debt are they assuming? Uh, all these different things come into play because they're all going to tell you whether or not the projected return is promising. And the mistake that people too often make is they say, oh, I've got five different investment alternatives here in front of me. Uh, I'm going to pick this one because it has the highest projected IRR. And what they might fail to realize is that that one has the highest projected IRR because that sponsor is being overly aggressive on a number of assumptions that arrived at a higher promised return than what some of the other guys were using. So it's really important to know, you know, that garbage in garbage out philosophy and make sure that the underwriting uh, projections are reasonable. No, that makes so much sense. So you actually have to know how to do a little bit of deal analysis going into it to be able to ask some of these really important questions. And where do you recommend people turn to to start learning some of those basics to make sure that they are going to be well positioned to make some of those decisions? 
Yeah, there's a lot of books on there about real estate investing and general real estate investing and commercial real estate investing, specifically multifamily investing. There's a ton of books out there. You certainly got to get yourself educated. What I tried to do in the hands-off investor was to condense basically all of the knowledge that you would need to be able to uh, analyze those assumptions in one spot. So we've actually got a couple chapters of the book that are dedicated solely to real estate investment analysis. And these are so hyper-focused that a lot of real estate sponsors would probably learn something by, uh, by reading those chapters. You know, and the goal here wasn't to teach you how to be a real estate investor. It's more about teaching you, kind of like if you think of it this way, you don't teach the building. The building inspector doesn't have to be a contractor, but the building inspector has to know enough about construction techniques to know if the contractor did their job. And this is the same kind of thing where I'm trying to teach you how to be the building inspector. And you don't have to know how to go invest in real estate, but you have to know all these different, you know, real estate underwriting metrics and uh, key performance indicators and all kinds of different things. And I put that all in one spot in the book. No, that makes so much sense. Well, you know, so we've begun to do the analysis specifically on the sponsor. We feel comfortable with them. Now we've done our analysis on the deal. We've got ourselves educated. We feel confident and comfortable in it. What comes next? What comes next is an investment commitment. And this is where the rubber really meets the road. You know, it's funny how it's all a theory and concepts until it's time to start it uh, to sign a check. You know, once uh, once you go to sign a check, uh, it, it's like, uh, this just got real, <laughs> right? <laughs> so now it's time to, uh, to sign the subscription agreement, which means, you know, first you want to review all the offering documents, the uh, private placement memorandums, operating agreements, subscription agreements, make sure that the language in there, um, that there's no, you know, hidden gotchas, so to speak. Uh, you know, there can be onerous terms contained in those, uh, in those documents, like uh, overly high fees, uh, unfair profit splits, uh, onerous capital call requirements where you could be required to put more money in after you've made your investment, uh, transfer restrictions and all those different things where uh, you can get tripped up by, uh, by uh, the language in the operating agreement. And so I try to go through, you know, what to look for and what to avoid. And, and you know, and one of the big things I think that, uh, that trips up a lot of people is, is the capital call provisions and getting stuck. I've, I've actually heard of investors being required to put up money uh, after they got into a deal. And, and sometimes that can be a real problem for some people. And what are some of those other things people want to keep an eye out for when they're at this stage of uh, investing? One of them is, uh, is the fee structure that the sponsors are charging. And, you know, there's, you know, there's fees that are market and there's fees that are out of market and you see both. And, you know, one of them that's kind of an, an interesting one I always get a good laugh out of is the asset management fee. And the asset management fee is always 1%. And I don't care who you talk to, every sponsor, their asset management fee is 1%. But nobody ever says 1% of what? And it really makes a big difference. And so this is where the, the language, the technical language can be a real gotcha. So, you know, while one sponsor might be doing 1% of collected income, another might be doing 1% of the total purchase price of the property or 1% of the amount of equity that was raised. And that 1% is a wildly different number. One could be about 10 times higher than the other. So you have to be careful to make sure that you understand exactly how the fees are based and 
and what they, the calculations come out to be. And then also to see if those fees are actually included in the financial projections to know if they were an afterthought or if it was already built into the financial modeling so that you know whether or not they'll affect the promised return. Okay. Well, that makes so much sense. So, you know, we've come full cycle. We, we've gotten our sponsor, we've gotten the deal, we've invested our money. And at this point, we have written that check and we're investing this deal. Now we're truly a hands-off investor. Well, what, what else would you want to share with folks that they need to know after the point of making that investment and what they can do to make sure that things go well? Yeah, that's the that's the real um, that's the real point where you've actually become more passive is once you've made the investment. You know, it, it, we call this the hands-off investor. It's called passive investing, but until you've made your investment, it's anything but passive because you're very active when you're anal you're, you're looking for sponsors to invest with. You're analyzing sponsors and trying to determine who's worthy, uh, you know, of your investment. Uh, that part of it is very active, and if you take a passive approach to it, that's where you can make a lot of mistakes. Once you've gotten past that point and you've made your investment, now you do get to shift to passive mode. Let the sponsor do all the work while you basically just, you know, the, the old adage is you collect the checks, or at least you hope you're collecting checks. So, but in the meantime, you still have to keep an eye open to what's going on. So you should be receiving reports on a routine basis from the sponsor. You want to make sure you're reviewing those reports and making sure that they're um, that they're telling you what's going on, that they're keeping the lines of communication open. Are they delivering, uh, you know, not just the good news, but the bad news? Are they being realistic in their assessment of where we are today? Uh, you know, if there's challenges that lie ahead, are they telling you about that? Uh, you want to be looking at the um, income statements and balance sheets to see if the distributions that you're getting are connected to the actual property's income. Uh, and there's a few tricks I go over in the book on how to do that and some things to look for. There's ways that sponsors can um, hide the perform the true performance of the asset uh, and, and catch you off guard. So you got to keep your eyes open, but from this point, you should just be in, in pretty much passive mode, just paying attention every quarter to your reports. That makes sense. And what's one of those little nuggets that people should be looking for within those reports? The big one that I think is probably the, the most common is to look to see if the sponsor is hiding bad debt on the balance sheet. And so what happens is, you know, these, uh, these investments use a method of accounting called accrual accounting, which means that uh, when rent is due, it's booked as income. And when it's collected, it's booked against accounts receivable. But what can happen is, is they'll, they can bill the income every month, but if no one pays it, you still have the income, but you never got the cash. It's sitting in accounts receivable. And there's a, the, the easiest trick is you look at the balance sheet and you look at the accounts receivable. And what you're looking at is to see if it consistently grows and grows and grows quarter after quarter after quarter. And if it is, there's a good chance that the sponsor might be burying bad debt on the balance sheet and not writing any of it off as a bad debt loss. So if all you're doing is looking at the amount of income, uh, you would think the property's performing great, but really uh, it might not be. Thank you for listening to the Investor Mindset Podcast. If you like what you heard, make sure to rate, review, subscribe, and share it with a friend. Head over to theinvestormindset.com to join the Insider Club, where we share tools and strategies from the top investors and entrepreneurs on how to take it to the next level. 